This is Creative Banter. For me, photography is a pathway toward finding meaning in life and healing my mind, body, and soul. The process through which my photographs are made is quite important, and when I find a system that works, it is best to stick with it. This week, Ben and I worked through this philosophy, while also discussing whether every photographer truly needs a large body of work. Further, we discussed the lack of desire to be seen as an authority figure, as well as how much dogs love peanut butter. Let's dive right into this, shall we? Finally got the chance to go out for a little walk in the woods today. Oh, nice. Nice. Is this with or without puppies? Without puppies. Okay. Oh, I could not. <laughs> I took my camera out and I could not imagine the camera and two puppies or even just bringing Emmy out. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that'd be tricky, especially with how young she is. But now it was nice to get out. It was just went to my local uh, park that I frequent and two hours, maybe something like that. Just walking around observing just being in nature again after it's been about a month since i've been able to get out because of getting emmy and dealing with them so yeah kind of missed all the nice fall color but we really didn't have like anything this year around us i wonder why that is i don't know like it it came along it was good for maybe a few days just in sections and now it's like done with and i don't know did you have some wind that come through and, and swept the leaves out or was it just like the color didn't really turn that much and they're just gone or like what? It how, was just how the color. Huh. Yeah, it was just the color. I mean, it just, it was green for a while and now we have, we're starting to get those hues through, but it's not like color, the colors aren't vibrant. It's just kind of a lot of trees are already shaking off their leaves and I don't know, it's weird, Huh. but and you have mostly all like deciduous forests where you live, right? Not not a lot of pine trees, mostly just all deciduous stuff. It's a mix, but yeah, mostly deciduous, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Not like it really matters to me at the end of the day cuz whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it it's still like it's weird to see everybody on social media and on Discord and all of that talking about Oh, look at these fall colors and like you with your fall trip to to Zion and yeah. Andrew Barufi going over there too and seeing all of that. Yeah. And I'm looking at my backyard. I'm like, yeah, we've got some. It looks kind of pretty, but I mean, it's it's nothing special. Yeah. So some intimate details around the house, but other than that, not really anything. Yeah. You end up taking any pictures when you're out wandering around? I took two. Yeah. Um, I actually took the four by five out this oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, took the four by five out and exposed two sheets of film one at a uh, a triplet of leaves in the lake so i'm curious to see if that one turns out because of uh because of the movement there shouldn't be too much but were they like on on the surface is that what it yeah. was okay yeah they were on the surface of the water um just barely clinging on there were two of them that were clinging onto each other onto a little branch that was sticking out and then there was one in the far back that is was sticking out uh, of a branch as well and it seemed calm enough. Yeah. It was a half second exposure at F16. Okay. Because otherwise I would have, if I didn't uh, 
if I closed down my aperture any further, it would have been like two seconds. I'm like, that's yeah. way too long. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> so, asking a lot. Was, was it morning time or afternoon or? Uh, mid-morning. Mid-morning. Okay. So there's, there's a chance it cover, could still so. be decently still then. Yeah. In, in a yeah. half second. I mean, that's pretty generous when it comes to like movement. And sometimes, and, you know, maybe even if there was a little bit of movement, maybe it, it could be like the good sort of movement too. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, we've talked about it before. I don't mind movement in my photographs, but- Especially when it's like this and those are the main subjects. I want them to at least be like 80% of the way there. Yeah. Where they're sharp across and a little bit of movement I'll take, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And then the other photograph that I took was uh, right off alongside the road. There is an old building. I don't know if it's like an old warehouse. I don't know if it's currently in use, but they have a, uh, a dumpster sat out there and alongside of it, they're grows these i don't know what kind of trees they are but they'll grow up and then someone will come by and cut them down and then the next year they'll grow back up huh. and kind of go throughout it yeah and i had taken the same or a similar photograph similar composition of this scene uh two years ago maybe and totally different tree that was there huh uh, just because they grow this, pretty fast yeah this this first one was um maybe trees the wrong word maybe it's more of like a bush kind of th i don't know exactly yeah. whatever it's some kind of growth that yeah <laughs> uh, the first time it grew like out of the dumpster a little bit and then was popped up and then this time it's just alongside of it and it has a bunch of like limbs growing out real nice like reddish leaves going on with it so i don't know just playing around some with it and seeing what happens yeah. so is that one where you used a color filter to kind of work with those red leaves to make them go lighter or anything like that or no, because I didn't really see it being all that necessary with it. The light was shining on it pretty nicely. Mm -hmm. So uh, the light was catching the leaves just enough that it was standing out from the background enough for me. So we'll see. Yeah. Plus, if I would have added the red filter, it would have gone from, I think I photographed it at an eighth of a second. So you would have been closer to like half a second or so. Yeah. So I didn't want then wind movement, cars driving by. I didn't want to risk anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, you, you know you're a photographer when you when you start a story by saying, yeah, so there's this dumpster, right? And then there are these trees <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Oh, it just it just works so well and you know the the, the average person's like, yeah, so it's it's a it's a dumpster and there's there's some some trees. Uh Yeah. 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 So why are you I, taking I look a photo of that one? That's cuz that that sort of goes in the category of, you know, there's some story to be had from, you know, between those two very different sort of elements. Yeah. And so I, I look forward to to seeing that one once you once you develop it and and all that. Yeah, I th I think it's funny because when I got in the Sony and we were talking about me getting that, you were like, "Oh, you'll be back to four by five. and <laughs> it kind of pissed me off when you said that just a little <laughs> bit. It just rubbed me the wrong way because you know Cause I was I'm right. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those things of like this. No, no, I'm taking this as a challenge. This is a personal challenge here. <laughs> and then I I just. I'm keeping the Sony. I'm still going to play around with it because I like that macro lens and seeing what I can all do with it. But at the end of the day too, like I was thinking about it this weekend and I I said to my girlfriend the other night, I'm like, I think I'm going back to four by five. And she's like, no, you're not. She's like, no, I won't <laughs> let you. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. It's just, I was looking at uh, a photographer on Instagram, um, Jay, is it Tag? T-A-Y-A-G. 
you know, I don't know the pronunciation. I, I, I think Tayag, but I, I, I don't know the exact pronunciation. But yeah, he's, he's a great guy, a really good photographer. Yeah, I was looking at his work, started following him, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. But I was looking at what he was doing, and I'm like, that looks fun. <laughs> and I'm on YouTube, and I'm, most of the people that I follow are film photographers. I'm like, yeah, I kind of miss that. Yeah. And really what it all comes down to, at least for me, is it's more than just the process because obviously the the process with film and working with large format especially is like nothing else you can't get anywhere close to that with digital yeah but more than that it's just i don't have the desire to bring out the sony like i do with the 4x5 because i'm not capturing as much meaning in my photographs with the sony yeah because you're not as involved in the process there's it, it's it's it is definitely a different process with a large format, um, but there's yeah. also the balance between, you know, having the digital and the film and, ha- you know, they, ha- they have their own place and they're, and they're different. Um, but I, I think ultimately for you, it's going to be a matter of, of finding that sense of balance between the formats. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like I'll bring out the four by five like today and I'll stumble upon a scene like those leaves in the water and there's a story behind that. Yeah. And I can like craft this this story around this photograph and I feel it almost immediately and then I feel compelled to make that photograph. Whereas with the Sony, I'm I'm just playing around. I'm walking around my backyard and photographing whatever's around just to take advantage of the macro or the the colors that are there and it's just a totally different working process and I can't seem to find that like true parallel. I can't bring over the real meaning-focused photography from film over to digital. Yeah. So I think what, it, like I said, I'm still going to keep the Sony. I'm still, I don't know that I plan on using it for my personal work, but I do have plans of doing some like freelance work, whether it's like second shooting for wedding photographers, trying that out and doing some architectural or real estate photography just to get some money flowing and just to try new things with it. And then if I do end up doing any kind of YouTube channel, talking to camera sort of thing like we talked about last week, Yeah. then I'll end up using the Sony for that. So it's definitely going to be kept around, but I don't know. I, I just think at the end of the day, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's very difficult to explain to someone how something like working with large format changes, it just changes the whole process. And I guess the, as you're talking, the, the, the thing that I was thinking is how just the way of working with large format makes it so much easier to put meaning into your work because you're, you're so much more involved in it. And it's just, there's something about that process, that, that flow state you're not thinking about. I mean, there, there's all these things you have to do in the right order and all that, but you're not thinking about that when you're working with it. It's just a matter of going through the process, going through all the steps and, and, and there's, there's something kind of magical about it. Um, yeah. And but that being said, I will say that, I mean, I'm, I still at some point will get a digital kit as well. I, I, was, I was looking on the, uh, the Fuji website again at the, uh, the, the medium format digital setup with the, the new 100 megapixel. I was looking at the lenses. I'm like, oh man, maybe, maybe at some point I'll get these. Maybe I'll buy a lens before I buy the camera just to force me to get the camera at some point or something like that. But I, I was also thinking about how so much of those decisions when it comes to getting a camera are based around 
all the things that you think you're going to be doing with that camera and, and all the, the, the story, this narrative that you create in your mind in terms of, oh, if I had that camera, I could do this or I could do that. Um, but I also know that based on my past experiences that just that, that process of putting meaning into my own work is so much better suited for film. So that's why I'm, I'm not taking it too seriously. But then there's also things like, you know, coming back from my uh, fall trip design where, you know, it was $1,200 for, you know, the film and processing and such. And yeah. And so it's a matter of balancing all that. Uh, I, I think from a purely business standpoint, it's kind of ridiculous to shoot film uh, for oh, what I is. do. Just because, you know, I, I'm already, I mean, my expenses are so high, but at the same time, it could be that that's just what I need to do in order to produce the sort of work I'm satisfied with, um, which is kind of what fuels the whole process and keeps things, you know, going. And I will also say that, so we're recording this on a Thursday and I picked up my film on Tuesday. Usually I'll do the film reveal video where I, I look at the film truly for the first time on camera. But this time, I mean, I, I had exposed so much film. There were some Photos that I was very uh, curious about. So you took a peek. I took a peek. I took a peek at every (laughs) single sheet of film in that box. Um, It was just a quick peek though, right? It was just like, I did not pull out the loop. There was no looping of the film. Yeah, so it doesn't count. We're good. It doesn't count. I I did take a few pictures of the film on the light box just to, to send to my wife while she was at work. But I will say that when you see a... And this will be a little different for you because you're shooting black and white. But when I see those transparencies on a light box, all of a sudden, everything, <clears throat> it's all worth it Yeah. at that point in time. Is my, my, hopefully, my voice isn't giving out here. As, as, <laughs> as we were talking before we started recording, I, I went for a ride on my bike for the first time in a while today. It's a really dry day. So I just inhaled a lot of dry air. So it's probably messing with my voice here. Um, but yeah, seeing, seeing those transparencies on the light box when the composition is as I want, as the conditions are, are ideal, there is a strong sense of satisfaction that comes with that and a strong sense of permanence that comes with that, that just makes it all worthwhile. So that's, that's something that is, is nice. And I'll also say that of the, all the film I looked at, there are two standout shots in Sometimes if there's an early standout shot, I'll look back at that photo and begin to like resent it with time. Oh, it isn't quite right or there's that. But I, I think these ones will, um, will stand the test of time. But there's uh, one photo of this maple tree that I photographed um, in a meadow. And I photographed it last year. It's a vertical photo. And last year when I photographed it, the fall color was just starting. It was okay, but it could be a little better. Um, but this year, the fall color was like perfect on that scene. And my exposure is spot on. There is absolutely no wind. Composition is is good. Um, and so that is one of those scenes. And I think this is something we talked about in a past episode where, you know, I, I knew where to be and when. I had already tried to photograph. It didn't quite work out right. So it was my goal to return to that scene and photograph it. And sure enough, it worked out. And, you know, all that that paid off with it. Um, but then there was another scene I photographed that was a standout, which was a, a complete spur of the moment sort of photograph um, where I was hiking along without my camera because I thought I was done for the day. And then I saw something, ran back to my truck, grabbed my camera, set up for it, um, 
pretty much working on instinct. And that one turned out really good too. Um, so it's kind of the opposite sides of, of the spectrum. But it was, it, was very, it was very pleasant to see the film and to see that pretty much everything turned out fine. Um, there's one where it's flaring up a little bit because the sun's a little out of view and I didn't block the sun because I didn't think I needed to, but yeah, I should have. Um, but, but beyond that, it, it turned out pretty good. And it's, I'm not sure I'd have that same experience of if, if it was shot with digital, that, that sense of permanence to the images. Um, so especially because you can see right away whether you got the yeah. photograph correct and everything too which, which I kills think that sense of mystery that that sense of wonder you know it definitely does yeah because like i'll find myself and I, I i think one of the other things that i really if i were to go and completely commit to digital even for like a month it has to be with a bunch of rules around it and i think that's a major problem for me because like it's so easy to just pick up the camera and go walking around with just the camera where you not locked down to a tripod. So then you're not really thinking about your compositions and you can look back and retake that same photograph or similar photograph seven different times if you didn't get it right the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Have I you tried know. using one of those little like composition finders like I use? The little plastic I frame? haven't. I haven't just because... I only have one lens with the 4x5, and even with the Sony, I just have the 90. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I have, at least with 4x5 especially, I have a very good idea of what's going to be in frame versus what's not. Yeah. Because I've worked with that same focal length for four, going on five years now. Yeah. I'd be curious though to see if, even if you set like a rule for yourself where like you're like, I'm not going to take the camera out until. I know for certain exactly where this photo is, where to stand, where to, you know, to get everything set up um, and, and see if, if that simple process of using the little framing tool, because like for me, I, I can look at a scene and I, and I can know that there's some potential there, but it's not until I pull out that framing tool and put a rectangle on the scene that I know instantly if it's going to work or not. And I think that if at some point I do jump back into the digital game again, not, you know, uh, as the only way of going in, you know, still having film, but using digital for certain things. But I think I would still rely on that technique of using that framing tool just because it allows you to make, I think, all those decisions that otherwise would be made when you look through the viewfinder and you're a little bit more blind to your surroundings at that point. And so. I, I, it'd be interesting to see if you were to try to use one of those framing tools before getting the camera out, if that makes it a little bit more of a film-like experience for you. Yeah, I could. It's something I consider for sure. Yeah. But I think one of the other things that I was going to say about it, um, I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> so what happens if you've been just like hanging out with puppies for, for weeks at a time? Oh, yeah. They just, it's just gone gone just adhd mind on speed and puppy <laughs> yes oh one of the other things that i was going to say so with getting feedback from this finding meaning project that we had talked about too yeah from different people um out of the eight or so people that i contacted and asked for general advice i mean everybody says that it's a good idea and, and everything um but i had i think two two or three people that contacted me like Oh, well, I think you need to to start putting out more work, like more photography and like work on that and use that as a like 
you just need more work out there, put it that mm-hmm. way. Which I don't necessarily agree with, and especially considering it was, say, two out of the eight people. It's like a few people think it, whatever. Yeah. But for me, it's more about the message with everything, and especially given like how how I work with 4x5 and even with digital a little bit, there's so much more importance for me on the meaning aspect of it, like I was saying earlier. Yeah. That for me to just be throwing work out there without like just on a whim, like I, I have photographs that I could process in from digital that are just sitting on the memory card right now and I'd be okay with them, but they wouldn't feel, it wouldn't feel right to me. Yeah. Like I, I, I totally would, get that. Yeah. I would much rather have a small portfolio, say like Simon Baxter, he, his portfolio on his website is I think 45 photographs. And of course, he just added a, a new gallery to his website as well that has uh, more of the rainforest stuff. But still, for so long, he had like 30 to 45 photographs carefully curated on his website, and that was his work. And I resonate more with that kind of approach for putting out photography, where it's just carefully curated work. Like, this is the work that I really stand by and that means something to me. And hence, this is how I have learned to heal. And that's really what this message is all about, learning to heal through nature and creativity, not how to necessarily make a business out of landscape photography. Because of course, if you want to make a business out of landscape photography, I totally get it. You want a high quality, large portfolio of work to to show people and to have presented. But for something like this, where it's more about the message, I, I don't yeah. know. And I, I think that's why I like lean back into four by five a little bit because of having that meaning and that slow process and i think when people look at you as a film photographer as a large format photographer it's a little bit more understanding as to why you don't release so much work whereas if you they see that you're working with digital and you're only releasing work every so often like what i am it's kind of like oh well, just take more photos yeah and I think, I mean, it goes down to the or it, the whole thing of like, the more you have of something, the less each of those things, you know, means. So, and there's, 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 there's more meaning if there's less of something, there's more value if there's less of something. So, you know, if I look at a photographer and they have, you know, 12 pictures on their website, I will have a much different experience looking at that versus a photographer that has 300 pictures on their website. Like I won't even want to look at more than, I don't know, like five or six photos if they have like, you know, 300 images of that. I don't know how many people actually have. I get overwhelmed way too quick. Yeah. They all start looking the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go onto their website. I'm like, oh, so you have a hundred photographs in a single gallery. Like to me, that's, that's poor curation. Yeah. That that's like saying that you either think that all of your photographs in that gallery are super great, which they're not. Like yeah. you can get rid of some of those, I guarantee you, <laughs> or you just are throwing everything into a basket and just hoping for the best. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'd, I'd much rather have a highly curated gallery or a few like galleries on my website, a few portfolios, whatever you want to call them, um, that have 15 to 20 photographs each where every single photograph in there counts as something. Yeah, like William Neal talks about that in his uh, portfolio development book, and he's talked about it in uh, in interviews as well. And just about having a very tight knit, every single photograph in there counts. And when you go to add another one into it, then look through that whole gallery and 
if that one that you're adding in is stronger than one of the other ones, get rid of the weakest one. Yeah. So that way you don't lose the power of that gallery, the meaning through that gallery too. Yeah. And it, it's almost, I mean, there's times when I'll look at, let's say a, a photography book and I, I'm flipping through, I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. You know, this is, the, these ones work well together, this and that. And at a certain point you reach, you reach the, the, the limit of like, I've looked at too many pictures and then yeah. the book just keeps going on and on and on. And, and, and it's, you don't, really you, you don't have the opportunity to take in those images as much uh it just becomes like a, a sensory overload thing where the one image kind of melts into the next image and um and so i i there's definitely something to be said about that so i i, I don't think I, I think for your approach you know i i don't see ha the fact that you know there's less work out there. I don't see that as a bad thing. I think it's all about, you know, finding the meaning in that work and, you know, having that paired with, uh, with the, the writing and such where people will have a, you know, take different meaning from the image based on their writing and everything else. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're perfectly fine in that regard. Um, yeah, and you have, I mean, you have a, quite a few images on your website. So, I mean, you, your, your website's pretty, pretty decent in that regard. You don't have a lot on social media yet, but that's perfectly fine, you know? Yeah. I mean, my website definitely, I'm, I plan on going through that again and really curating that down to one or two, maybe three at most galleries. And just, like I said, really making it the, the portfolio that I want it to be of here are the photographs that mean something to me that weren't just taken on a whim that have stories behind them that hold some kind of like lessons or whatever you want to call it um and just sticking with that because i don't think like one of the other criticisms that went along with that was and i know all of these were like well-meaning and i don't not trying to take them like put them in a negative light or anything but one of the other ones was um you want a large body of work because you want to be seen as someone who can be like an authority almost in a creative person kind of thing, if that makes sense. Like someone who actually is constantly creating work and like doing the photography in order to talk to other photographers and that kind of thing, which doesn't, again, doesn't make sense to me, but yeah, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I don't, I'm actually quite uncomfortable with the whole like being seen as an authority on, on something. I like, like I, I very much shy away from that. Um, yeah. and it's just, it, to me, it's a weird concept. It's, it's something that, that seems very foreign to me. Like I, I don't want to be seen as an authority on, on things. I just, I'm a dude that takes pictures of trees. I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's and rocks and, and leaves and stuff. I, it, it just, I don't know. I, I think, you know, obviously that is something that leads to, uh, better, from a better business standpoint of, oh, people want to learn how to do this or that. But I think if we were to talk to any of those people, they'd be like, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to figure it all out. I'm, I'm no expert on, on this. No. And ultimately yeah. I just, I just want to share my story and share what's meaningful to me, how I see yeah. the world. And, and if you resonate with that and if I can help a few people to, to get into photography or to appreciate nature and find healing in those paths, then that's, I'm more than happy with that without having to be on some big platform and be like, I'm an authority behind any of this. Yeah. Like these I'm, are just I'm my stories. Skeptical. If, 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 if there's ever a person who's like a self-proclaimed expert on something, 
I'm like, hey, it feels like they're trying too hard. Uh, it, it just <laughs> like my just it just right. On, it, I just see it on the radar right away in terms of like, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of like a whole red flag thing. Yeah. Um, but but speaking of sort of the, the, the healing power of, of nature and such, I had a rather interesting experience when I was working on some of the videos from the trip. So I'll go through, I'll do a rough edit of all the videos uh, just to kind of make sure I have everything I need. And then I usually do all those edits before I even see the film. And so just in the sense that, um, you know, I don't know in the field how the photos turned out. And so I also edit the videos from the standpoint of, I don't know how the photos turned out. And then I will end up uh, doing a voiceover at the end to kind of, you know, fill in my thoughts on the images. And it's just, it's part of the process that works pretty well. Um, but I was going through and editing them. And while I was in the field, based on a really cool idea that my wife gave me, she said that, you know, when you're out there, if you see something that looks pretty cool, if you're in an area kind of away from people where it's a bit more of a controlled environment, you should just find really cool scenes of nature with really good sounds and just let the video camera go for like 10 minutes. And then, you know, put a video out where it's nothing but nature, just the sounds of nature, the, the you know, the breeze going through the leaves and the, you know, all, all kinds of just, and there's something very powerful about the sound of, especially with the microphone I use where it's a stereo microphone. And even, even the wind can sound pretty nice. And so I, I did some of those clips. Uh, one of them was a scene in a canyon. And there's all these maples, um, reddish leaves at that point. And I have the camera angling upward. And then the sun is behind one of the maple trees. And uh, it's moving a little bit in the wind. So you have kind of like those glimmers of light. And then the wind kicks up. And then the leaves start raining down a little bit. And I did 10 minutes of that. And then also I did another clip uh, a little later on in the trip where it was uh, underneath a ponderosa pine and just the wind going through the, the pine needles, which is also a really good sound. But I was going through and, and I put just um, a hint of those, you know, maybe about five, six seconds of those uh, clips in the videos uh, with the idea of uh, when that video plays, I'll have like a little thing that pops up kind of from the corner, which you can do via YouTube, which will link to if a person wants to watch the full 10 minutes of that, just a calm nature and kind of experience what I experienced out there. Yeah. Like um, atmospheric videos kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. my wife is saying, you, you could just loop that over and over again and have it go for like an hour or something if you wanted to. Um, and then I would do, you know, some of the audio stuff I do where I, I layer the sounds a little bit. Um, because when it comes to audio recording, it's a little bit like the dynamic range of a photo where, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking, for example, I have to have the, um, the mic levels turned down so I sound fine, but then you don't really hear much background noise behind me. Um, so what I'll do sometimes is I'll record background noise of just like the leaves and the birds and stuff. And then I kind of mix that in when I'm talking where it sounds like it does in reality, but it's just kind of working with the mics. But I'll, I'll go through it. I'll, I'll kind of layer some of that in there with the bird sounds and, and stuff like that. But I was, I was editing, this, editing this video and I was, I was listening to one of those 10 minute clips and kind of watching it on the screen. And uh, in my home office, my computer is up against a window. And then I have like these um, kind of these sheer blinds that go down where I can, it doesn't distract from the screen. 
but I had the window open. And so there's a little breeze coming in. And then there was a, another window on the other side of my home office and I had that open. So I'm getting this nice cross breeze going through. And I'm listening to that. And so I've got my headphones on as I'm doing the editing. And it was fascinating because I was kind of getting lost in this video. And then the breeze came in through the window and I smelled maples. <laughs> there are no maples outside. Yeah. There's, there's nothing outside that smells anything like maples. But something about immersing myself in that environment by listening with the headphones triggered the scent of maples in my brain. It was the weirdest thing. Like I, I took off the headphones. I kind of moved closer to the window. I gave it like a long sniff. There was no maples. <laughs> so it just shows how much our senses are intertwined where my brain says, you're looking at maples. You feel a breeze coming in you're probably going to smell maples right now. And so when you're talking about like the healing power of nature, it's just, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it that I don't even think we begin to understand how it affects the brain. And I should also mention that while I was doing this, I felt so incredibly calm and relaxed as, as all this was happening. And so it's, it, there's really something there. And I thought it was an absolutely fascinating experience to actually smell a phantom scent that did not exist. I don't know. It's just crazy how that stuff works. Yeah. Like you can just be like so immersed into something that like your brain gets tricked into smelling or hearing something that just isn't there, but is there in the video that you watched or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. And speaking on those videos too, like I've always thought that if I were to do, I just found a tick on me. Oh, well, that's not good. No, don't go on the paper for now. <laughs> anyway, um, if I were to do those types of, uh, like the videos that you do with your uh, photography journals and that kind of thing. Yeah. If I were to ever do those, I, I don't know that I would want to have anything but natural sounds to it. Yeah. Like no talking to camera, just you're watching me be in nature and listening to nature as it happens. And that's that. Like, here's me silently or quietly setting up the, the camera as I find the scene and photographing it and going through that journey. And yeah. this is what I hear as I'm walking around. And this is what I see. Not like me explaining anything to you, not talking through my process or anything like that. Just here's what I'm doing. Yeah. I always thought those would be very a very niche audience for those, definitely. But a very calming experience if you can do them right. Yeah. And that's, that is something I've actually gravitated a lot more toward lately. And that's something where while I was going through and editing these videos, um, there's a lot of that. I mean, I, I love, uh, one of the things I do with the videos is I lead with the sound. So, so you'll hear things before you see things. And I, I love the process of starting with a black screen, then you hear the sound of what's going on, and then the video fades in. So it leaves you guessing a little bit of you know, where I am, you know, what's going on. And it leaves a little to, um, a little to the imagination, which is, which is kind of nice. Um, but that's, that's something that I've, I've always enjoyed. And, and I'll, I've, I have several in the videos in a series where it's, you know, I'm, you know, starting the day hiking in this and that, and I don't say a word until after I take the first photo. Um, and it, it's also a, a bit, you had mentioned kind of a niche audience and, and that's, there's, definitely something to that because I, I find it rather amusing because um, I show basically the whole process of, of taking the photo. 
I just have the video camera going and I, and I cut from one view to the next and this and that to kind of uh, speed things up a little bit. But it's funny, I, I had some complaints at one point where people were saying, you know, I, I, I wish it was, you know, showing more of the process of photography and not just you walking around. I'm like, I, I, I'm literally showing the entire thing. I, yeah, that, that is my process. Sorry. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because I think there are some people that watch the videos because they want to learn. And I get that. But at the same time, when I'm out in the field, I don't want to teach. I, I, I find that that comes across as kind of, uh, I don't know, little, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking down to the audience in some way. I feel like it's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel uncomfortable with that whole thing. So my whole approach has been just to show the process, show the results, um, and people take from it what they will. But um, the other thing too is uh, oftentimes I'll take uh, two photos of the scene. And when I record the videos, I move the camera around constantly. So I'll, you know, I'll have it, you know, over my right shoulder as it take one picture, then I uh, move the camera over to my left side and have it roll while I take another photo. And I can edit it all to look like I'm just taking one photo. Um, but just by moving the camera around, it kind of gives a little better sense of what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I do show the whole process. Um, but it's just like you said, you know, I, I think there's something um, almost like an ASMR kind of a thing when yeah. it's not really talking, it's just showing the process. Uh, some layered sound from like some bird sounds and stuff like that, just to give the the feeling of being there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, something to consider at least, yeah. uh, especially as I think towards the future of like this whole project, this direction that I'm starting to walk in and seeing where that all takes me. That could definitely be something that's, that I could see doing it, not all the time, but every so often, every yeah. few trips, maybe like a quarterly thing or something maybe. But we'll yeah. see what happens. By the time I get around to it, YouTube's probably going to be dead anyway. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> yes. be on to the next yeah. thing. Though I, I will say that um, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, if you end up going down that road and, and doing some video stuff. I find the process of editing the videos to be quite therapeutic in its own right. That's Just how I feel because, about the podcast sometimes too. Yeah. And, and, and especially for the videos, because you have all the sounds of nature, you have just, it, it activates something in the brain where it allows you to relive that experience. Um, and so I, I think that would actually work. It would pair very well with, um, with written stuff as well as the images. Um, and, and like you're saying earlier, you know, it's not for a huge audience you know the 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 general public isn't going to necessarily embrace that but that's fine because it will be embraced by those who are, you know are 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 meant to embrace it yeah um and so I, I think i think for you the process of making those videos and editing and stuff would be quite beneficial in its own right yeah and now that i think about it a little bit too i could because i said about doing those like talking to camera kind of videos as well I could see just doing those out in nature instead of having it in like a typical office setup. Yeah. I could see playing around with that idea too a little bit and having like that the first two and a half minutes and the last two and a half minutes or whatever are just like more of walking away, walking out of camera, like nature photo or nature videos and yeah. seeing how that goes. I don't it know. Also, there's a lot. It, 
and also just like doing like a, a voiceover of like reading journal entries or whatever after the fact and kind of mixing it in there with it. That's true. Um, yeah. I think that would also be good. I, I've, I've been tempted to do that for the videos I do now that I'm doing the written journal. Um, but for the interest of time, I, I, it's, it's hard to fill the amount of time it would take me to read some of the entries with video. Um, so it, that gets to be a little bit trickier. Um, but, but perhaps something at, at, at some other point when, when it seems to work pretty well. Yeah. So, um, so I, I've, I've reached a new, uh, a cycling, uh, midlife crisis, if, 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 if you will, oh, um, boy. I, I, I ordered something just to make me look even cooler in my spandex. Great. Can't wait um, to see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, prescription cycling glasses that are the transition ones that uh that, that darken to make me look even cooler when uh, it's outside you're, you're taking me back to like my fifth grade glasses days <laughs> when those were all like all the rage grandfather had them had the transition lenses and yeah <laughs> i remember having them and oh, they were terrible because you would go inside from like a you bright sunny day and yeah it was just you couldn't see anything you and if you took off your glasses, you couldn't see anything either. So it's just. And, and there's also something about for like regular glasses, there's something about the styling of regular glasses combined with the transition lenses. It, when I see people with them, it has the appearance that they're perhaps visually impaired. It, <laughs> it, it, it just, I don't know. The, the styling wise, it doesn't work as well. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how these ones work out. But I gotta say, this stuff is really crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, way, way, way more expensive than regular glasses. But uh, I will look forward to, to getting those at some point um, in the, I think you said about two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have transitioned, my, uh, my motorcycle helmet has a transition lens on it. And th it's nice. They're great, yeah. especially when you're outside and like as the sun, like it changes depending on the sunlight. That's, yeah. don't have to worry about wearing sunglasses within the helmet too but yeah yeah but when it comes to walking in some indoors with that kind of thing no it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah not not quite as 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 versatile for that um and i have uh, one other uh a final uh little uh story uh which i i think might be of interest uh for for those listening um so uh you know dogs love peanut butter right Yes. Yeah. They're, they're fans. They're fans of the peanut butter. And a little while back, um, my, my wife and I were like, huh, well, he likes peanut butter. What, what would happen? She said, what would happen if I smear a little peanut butter on your back and you just lay down there and Oliver will just clean it up? You know, you'll get like this, this back massage, right? It's kind of like goat yoga, but it's like a dog back massage. It worked very well. It's actually incredibly soothing. He's, he's, going to town, just making sure everything's fine. But here's the thing. You know who also likes peanut butter? Your cats. Cats. Cats also yeah. like peanut butter. Yeah. But I will say, <laughs> if anyone wants to have a massage experience, but <laughs> not pay the money for it, highly recommended. Highly recommended. The cats and the dogs, they team up. And uh, yeah, so just... Uh, Put that in your arsenal of uh, of stuff. It's my my tip for the day. 
I was very scared for where you were going with that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that that could have gone in a whole number of ways, and we need to keep this show like PG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Just you know, just putting that out there. Peanut butter massage, dogs, cats, everyone enjoys it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we're good with that. <laughs> hope you enjoyed our creative banter. You can learn more about Cody's work by visiting his website, codyschultz.com. And you can find my work at benhorn.com. For further discussion, join us at patreon.com slash creative banter. It's a place where we can interact with you, the listener. And although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier, discussions are open to everyone whether you're a pain member or not. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you around next time.